Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Picture this. You have a long commute to work and just want to listen to a good podcast. But there are too many choices. Anime? Film? Comic books? Science? What will you do? Well, never fear. We are here with all of your podcast needs. Welcome, all freaks and geeks. We are the Square Roundtable Podcast, a collective of Black nerds discussing all things anime, comics, science, and pop culture related. Please join us for our weekly podcast every Friday on squareroundtablepod.fandomlimb.com, YouTube, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Be there and be square. This is the Triple C Podcast. Talking all things comics, culture, and cosplay. With Josh, Mari, Kevin, and Zach. Well, a jolly Tuesday to everyone out there in listening land. Hopefully, wherever you are listening and wherever you may roam and call yourself at home, that we are there to bring you, without a care, the very best of news that is to bear. This is Josh with the Triple C Podcast, and I am joined with Kevin, Zach, and Marvelous Mari. Welcome back, Mari. We missed you last week. We had to we had to do a double dose of Kevin, and I got flame broiled. What is it? What do you smell? Uh, it was a great show last week. I always appreciate when Kevin's willing to step in when I can't be here, but I'm happy to be back this week, gents. It's good to see you. Good to hear you. I was glad that for once I got to hear the sound of the sizzle and the sound of the roast and not my own voice. It's nice being able to like take in the show as a fan sometimes when days <laughs> yeah. on, day, on days when we have to step away because of scheduling, whatever, you know, what 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 have you, we need to go back to our home plan and save somebody. Um, but listen, before before we get started, any general thoughts on topics from last week? Because we are going to follow up on this whole D&D OGL situation, Wizards of the Coast. So we'll get to that when we get to that. But any thoughts on any other topics before we uh, get into our, our first bit of admittedly uh, pretty pretty dour news? Gentlemen, I have so much to talk about this week. <laughs> it was a great show last week, uh, especially the D&D stuff. I'm looking forward to uh, discussing a little bit about uh, the rest of the roller coaster that they've been on this week. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait either. It's very interesting because um, I am part of multiple different uh, groups and discords and people who have been playing this game for, I don't know, 35 years or so already, you know, 1E players. Uh, So it has just been, it's been very interesting. And I look forward to bringing... um, some of their voice to this conversation as well. Well, we certainly look forward to all that you have to offer in terms of your thoughts as a longtime RPGer and a tabletop gamer. But now, as uh, Kevin put it, to get into some dour news, a uh, little thing that he liked to call uh, dual douche sticks for this week's show. Uh, <laughs> I forgot the- about that bubbling stories and i say bubbling because these are literally just simmering in the pot so what we are presenting to you the listeners and fans is all that is available in terms of what the news media has put out there for us to digest and discourse about uh namely the uh situation with uh channel 5's andrew callahan accused of sexual misconduct by multiple women and uh justin roiland uh notably known for being co-creator of rick and morty facing violence domestic charges and a whole bunch of other stuff oh in the immortal words of garfield i hate mondays and it's carrying over into a tuesday thank goodness for crawlers yeah and this whole situation is really well really disturbing and it has nothing to do with with what we might feel about andrew callahan or justin roiland's body of work I mean, what we're seeing here is just two two men kind of throwing their weight around um, because of their position, right? So you have Andrew Callahan, first up, a for- formerly of All Gas, No Breaks, currently of Channel 5, 
and uh, he has uh, actually a, a documentary coming up on HBO. Um, I don't know the name of it, but either way, uh, it doesn't really matter because his business relationship with with uh, Tim Heidecker, uh, who has produced that documentary, um, has uh, ceased all business relations with with Andrew over this. And this is really, really disturbing because of not because of, you know, again, these people and what we may know them for, but how common this pattern that that Andrew himself admitted he posted a, an apology video on his own private channel that has like 600 views so it was not very widely publicized um basically owning up to what he had he had done and i guess he went the one thing i will say is that he you know he did not invalidate anyone who had come forward against him um although his you know, legal team was very much on the defense at first saying, well, someone had um, offered money uh, or had asked for money at first. So a lot, I noticed a lot of discourse um, since this news had broken. Well, someone asked for money. So obviously the, the subsequent women who also came forward saying how Andrew had, had pressured them, didn't take no for an answer or who had, you know, coerced them and, and pushed them to the point where they eventually did provide consent, which is not that's not providing consent at, 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 at all. Um, and what's disturbing is that like, as men, even to this day, how common that behavior is. So men, if you're listening, keep your male friends accountable. If you're listening and you see the situation, what's happening with, with Andrew and, and you, and it's like looking in a mirror, you need to apologize to the people that you've hurt and then never fucking do this kind of shit again, because it's not sexual. It, sexual encounters are it's not the opportunity to conquer someone it's not the opportunity to say you know hey look at me and my status it's it's you know you you really risk traumatizing someone and i think it's it's the point in time when like with uh, us men need to keep our other male friends accountable uh, very vocally i appreciate you saying that kevin um i'm actually a, a pretty big fan of andrew callahan although i want to say that i hate rick and morty have hated it from the beginning have never found it amusing that type of humor doesn't hit for me and sorry but he's basically been coding this from the very beginning there is mm. nothing funny about abusive alcoholics i just okay it's, that's <laughs> just i look it is anyways i don't want to get into that okay um i reading some of the accounts especially of, of what andrew callahan victim sort of uh, came forward with their stories I, it, I did have very visceral gut reactions to some of that because uh, I very much know you know have found truth in their statements as well I, I I think there is a lot to be said and I do think that this country needs to start having some very honest hard conversations with itself and where it has placed sex in society and media, it feels, I, I think there are, oh, it, it's, it's such a subtle, difficult conversation, right? Because I don't think that it should be necessarily um, prevented. I, I, you know, I actually really respect and appreciate the way that a lot of, let's say, uh, European film and TV sort of approach nudity, which is a lot less sexualized. I, I'm really talking about sexualization in American media. We see it in the rise of this incel movement. We see it in some of the, the very real studies that we have about loneliness in young men these days. We see it in the very scary turn towards some of these you know, alternative media figures like Andrew Tate, which, you know, that was not surprising at all. There is really genuine, hard conversation that needs to be had. I, you know, Kevin's point about people in power, I, this dude has a YouTube channel. Like this dude went from like, kind of like this random nobody to catching attention. I, what's crazy is he's really talented. I kind of remember us having this conversation around Louis C.K. ages ago, right when all of his came out. 
Louis C.K. strikes me as somebody who probably doesn't realize he has this awkward power dynamic. A lot of guys that I knew when I found myself in awkward situations don't always recognize these power dynamics, don't always recognize don't always recognize the sort of like weird underlying expectation or I I really hesitate to use the word entitlement but I think that we have been sold right media has sold America this sexualization for decades this isn't new I'm not saying anything revelatory here right we've been talking about this but duh that this is how it eventually starts to impact the culture. And I think that's a very important thing that, you know, I'm glad we have this space here to talk about it. I don't think we're going to solve anything on this podcast, but I do think that it is important to recognize that we got to have a real honest conversation about sex consent sexualization uh and and what we expect of each other i am not excusing in any way andrew callahan's behavior or justin roiland's behavior but you know they've been you know if you're told you know with power comes sex with this comes that and you are not somebody who is ready to navigate those those dynamics you're going to find yourself in a situation where you are going to harm other people and i i really think we are starting to see a lot more of it i don't think this is new i just think that women have a space men and women right have a space to come forward and share these stories about what they've been through and just sort of expose the adverse effect of these cultural impacts wow sorry guys i did not it's important that what mean to give a statement that's okay (laughs) i didn't mean to go quite that uh deep into this but holy it is it's complex and it's scary and it's real and to kevin's point it hurts people like i i I, you know haven't got much of a follow-up to that uh unfortunately really i think pretty much every salient point to make is one that's been already made by our wonderful Mari as for specifics on the situation it's still developing it's it's Monday the 16th so you know if a, a breaking bit of news comes out tomorrow that one of them admits to their to these uh, alleged crimes well uh, that ha- happens 24 hours from now and we don't know about that Callahan himself um, you know did issue uh, again an apology but uh, time will only tell if his words and actions line up, which I think is mm-hmm. the most important measure. I mean, you can be a good yeah. talker, but any any word can any word can ultimately be hollow. And as for Justin Roiland, who was charged um, with among um, you know <laughs> among Ugh. many heinous crimes, uh, uh, false imprisonment, and these crimes were uh, back in uh, twenty twenty. These crimes oh. were brought forward by a Jane Doe. Like what the monstrous fu- what. Get the fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> like, and you know, the fact that th- this is this is coming out now, but this is you know, these charges have already been, you know, this is already something legally in progress. And the fact that he has so many projects in the works is absolutely it's it's just everything feels gross. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where he's a person kind of like Kanye, where they do something so heinous that you have to almost de- them of your cultural lexicon you know what i mean like you know i had i had to 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 de-kanye my personal lexicon after all that happened um so you know it's 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 interesting how like this happens and how people seem to be more willing in recent days to be like to not defend these people but to be like hey we need to as much fun as we had when we were blissfully ignorant, we need to hold these people accountable. And that seems to, to be more of the beating drum. But then again, that, that could just be the, the circles that, that I roam where, where that's being said. Oh man. I just, sorry, I don't mean to jump in, but it's like, you know, context, right? Like there's such a, there's, I want to acknowledge and recognize that both 
both things are harmful, but like, holy shit, Justin Roiland's got is like sending horrible text messages to teenagers in addition yeah, oh boy. to you know what I mean? Like it is uh, his is on a level that I think it is okay to say uh, there are varying levels of, of horrific. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's again, this stuff is hard. I am defending neither of them. And again, to your point around uh, he's got all of these different irons in the fire. No skin off my back. Step back and give an opportunity for creators and content creators who aren't pieces of to be able to get their stuff out there. Out. Out of pot. I don't care. Canceled. I just... We don't... <laughs> I'm sorry that your cartoon has to go away now. You have it. Have what you have. I just... Sorry. I, again, I'm biased. I didn't like the show in the first place. Rick and Morty. I just... Whatever. Alright. Done with that, personally. So my uh, my final thought on this is, and even though I am quoting something in a fictional sense, but it does, it is a truism that we've all heard all of our lives, and it is something that does ring true with all of these conversations we've had over the last few years, and that is, with great power comes great responsibility. That's not just a quote from a yes. Spider-Man comic. That is a literal truism that we can take to heart in this day and age at any given point, but especially with what we're hearing with people of prestige and quote unquote power within entertainment circles, men and women. And it's something that we need to hold them accountable for. And we need to hold in with our own circles, people that we know accountable for and also ourselves accountable for, you know, like you, we need to check ourselves and not to say like constantly put a boot on your brain so that you, so that you basically paint yourself into a corner and become an introvert who never wants to be social. But it's about having a filter again. That's something that I've noticed within the last few years and within the last decade is that people don't filter themselves as much because of social media and because of the advent of technology that we have. And when I say filter ourselves in terms of thinking, okay, the next time I text something to somebody, is it appropriate to say that whether in private or in public, whether in person or in text? When I'm going to do something, is that something that is socially acceptable? You know, it doesn't matter where you were raised, who you are, where you come from, what you do, any of that. It's all about thinking within that sphere of, is this right in general? Is this something that I can be proud of myself at the end of the day? If you are, then you really have more problems than could even fit on both hands in terms of writing them down, let alone a book. It's about think, considering just facts be the person opposite yeah, you, you know what cognizant. I mean? That's just how it affects the person opposite, right? Like, we as people, right, we're, we're going to get a little into the philosophy weeds here. Largely, there is a common set of ethics on which everyone agrees is acceptable. Propositioning children yeah. or imprisoning <laughs> people or beating people none of those are okay i don't care what your filter is i don't care where you come from this is not okay right and we've been having conversations about ezra miller and everything they've been doing and we keep saying oh cancel ezra miller i'm gonna cancel ezra miller i and you know if they are actually truly repentant for what they've done i'm still really leery about that especially given that whole video that came out of what is it like Reykjavik at the very start of this all choked a fan out to the ground and everything. And we still had no context about what there was for that. That was the domino that got this whole thing going, but they, they did some really crummy stuff. And Royland has done very terrible things. And Callahan, same thing. Warren Ellis. Oh my gosh. I remember when we, when, then the whole, when the whole thing with uh, Warren Ellis broke, I, the, I think like the day after that whole situation broke, I took all of my Warren Ellis graphic novels, anything I had except a few ones because I liked the art and the writing, if not the person. And I like took them to a half price books and said, just, I don't want these anymore. Like didn't explain myself why I just cleansed my mental palette of them for all time. And I felt great about it because I was like, goodbye. You have no place in my world anymore. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, speaking of, uh, speaking of cleansing things. Ah, uh, um, yes. Mm-hmm. D&D fans in the wake of uh, Wizards of the Coast, uh, who's owned by Hasbro, both of whom are the publishers of Dungeons and Dragons, in their attempt to try and monetize their own I- their own IP, have uh, attempted to uh, close off the community by uh, shutting down their open game license or making it more res- more restricted. Uh, well, that was the initial bit of news. But since last week, Wizards of the Coast have backed off of their decision uh, to force anyone who is making money off of a D&D derived product, such as Critical Role, like if you're making a show or if you're creating your own tabletop game using D&D's mechanics, you should be able to monetize and do that under their open game license. But with enough uh, D&D Beyond subscriptions having been canceled, um, which is uh, Wizards of the Coast official digital tool set, um, the company had addressed many concerns raised after the leak of that first OGL. But I am not the resident tabletop expert. That would be my lovely co-host, Mari and Zach. So I will let you guys take it away with not only this, but uh, creator of Pathfinder, uh, Paizo's response to this whole situation. So just covering Paizo's response here, I think one of the important things to point out here is that Paizo owner Lisa Stevens and the Paizo president Jim Butler were leaders on the Dungeons and Dragons team when they were at Wizards and they also worked with Brian Lewis the co-founder of Azora Law the intellectual property forum that Paizo uses was the attorney at Wizards who came up with the legal framework for the open game license and they also worked really closely with the, with the gentleman Ryan Dancy 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 the visionary who first created the OGL who originally created it because he didn't want any one person to own DND. He didn't want one corporation to be able to take the fun and joy that DND represents away from people, right? So this is a statement from those people. They don't think that the OGL 1.0a can ever be deauthorized. They said they're prepared to argue it in a court of law. They're not going to do that. And they know that a bunch of other publishers aren't in the position to do that. They are making their own version of the OGL, the open reference document. They're, they're going to make, we're going to make our own party with blackjack and hookers. <laughs> um, that's really the long and short of it. Uh, it. It's not done yet. When they do finish it, they invited a bunch of people onto it. The ORC, the Open RPG Creative License. Uh, Paizo is going to join it. Cobalt Press is on it. Chaosium, Green Ronin, Legendary Grains games, Rogue Genius games, lots of other publishers. They're going to get everybody on it that they can. And basically, it's just it's just a new version of the OGL, which is, look, you can use our product to make money. We're fine with that because when you do that, it benefits us. Now, there is one thing that I did want to say in defense of Wizards of the Coast changing a particular bit of verbiage. I can understand them trying to tighten up the OGL so that someone else can't make another Paizo. Because, right, for people who don't know, D&D came out with Edition 1. People like that. They came out with Advanced D&D. People like that. They came out with 2. People like that. Then they put out Advanced 2. Mari, is this all correct? That sounds correct to me. Well, I mean, you know, given that you're our ancient history expert having lived it, I, I'm just going to trust yes, your word. I appreciate that. Thing. Thank you. Oh, yes. good God. If I look back in my <laughs> law books, I believe that is the case. Yes, exactly. That's what I was looking for. Um, 
right? Then they had Edition 3, and people pretty, really liked Edition 3. People liked Edition 3 so much that Wizards was like, we should keep doing this, but we can tighten this up. And they came out with 3.5, right? And uh, 3 is when D&D really started to take off, especially because you had, right, Dragonlance was hitting its stride. You had the likes of Drizdorden. Um, you know, it is funny. The guy who originally wrote those books was a huge D&D nerd, and he worked super hard to make the to make a custom multi-class little thing for Drizzt. And then he was super mad when Wizards codified it in 3.5 as an option for Rangers. He's like, no, my OC, you've made it accessible to the commoners. It, it wasn't quite like that, but he was actually kind of salty that they did that, which is one of my favorite little facts about Drizzt. But then Wizards wanted to make D&D more accessible and i mean from a approaching and learning the game standpoint which you know what that's fair i love 3.0 i love 3.5 i love pathfinder mm-hmm. they're a little bit impenetrable as i'm sure my co-hosts <laughs> tell you those of them that didn't live through playing that era and how <laughs> um, if you have someone there who can tell you what's going on, it's really not so bad. But if you're sitting there and reading the book, you can get a lot of things wrong and you can be very confused. But there was a problem with fourth edition. Fourth edition sucked. Yeah, nobody liked fourth edition. Actually, that's not true. There's a handful of hardcore fourth edition players out there. And they're wrong. Yes, but we forgive them anyway. Even um, the paste eaters need to have a table to play at. <laughs> Um, but th- there was a lot uh, listen you can go and watch breakdowns on why people didn't like 4e suffice to say wizards did not l- uh, wizards made 4e and as with every new edition of D, they stopped publishing the old ones well there were a lot of people at, at wizards of the coast who liked 3.5 and they really liked making 3.5 and they said well we've got this whole big long list of rules that we can use and that, largely speaking, wizard can't copyright anyway, right? Like, rolling a d20 and strength, dexterity, and con and all that, wizards can't copyright that. They can't copyright a process. I really suggest you go and watch, listen to the Opening Arguments podcast. They have an excellent breakdown of that whole thing. That's not what we're here to talk about. The point is that the company Paizo went and they made Pathfinder, which was explicitly designed to be D&D 3.5 under another name, and pretty much everything in Pathfinder is backwards compatible with 3.5. So all the stuff you were doing in 3.5, you could just shift over to Pathfinder. Sure, some deities would change, some names would change, some locations would change, and you couldn't have Drizzt Doerden, but it was 3.5. And Paizo made a boatload of money. In fact, for a couple of years, they actually outsold D&D, right? In the height of 4th edition, Paizo was outselling Dungeons & Dragons with Pathfinder. So I can understand them trying to tighten the license up to keep that from happening again, right? I actually get that. And you know what? That's a fair one. Because you know what? Paizo still comes in second to D&D pretty much every year. So Paizo having to fork over some of their money really not too i really don't think that's too big of an ask well i think i think you've nailed a couple of things on the head here uh dungeons and dragons wizard of the coast hasbro does not own the idea of sitting around and playing imagination with your friends they can't own the system by which you do it either important point yes uh i recently homebrewed and ran a custom Willy Wonka campaign for my friends and it was delightful Mm. now granted it was on the 5e system but could I very easily like lift that skin up and lay it on a different system my that was a very creepy way of explaining what I was trying to do but yes I could easily that's probably the worst you could have said that I could have easily taxidermied my game (laughs) onto any system and you know what's awesome there's a 
boatload of them out there. Uh, the conversation with my friends and I was very interesting. And I do think it will be very telling to see the impact of this going forward. Now, my friends and I, we've been in campaigns for a few years already. We really almost exclusively play 5e we have a homebrewed world that you know we also have a discord server where we are doing um what's the word that i want to use collaborative writing exercises right to tell the world you know tell stories in this world it's amazing the thought that they could walk in there and say that they own this world, these characters, this collaborative effort that we're doing completely outside of their thing is nonsense. That being said, I did have some friends in our group that chose to cancel their D&D Beyond subscriptions. Uh, and I had another friend, you know, I had other friends in the group who very rightly and accurately highlighted they have spent thousands right on all of these materials source materials campaign books everything that they have um and like 20 odd people 25 people rely on them for that shout out emily thank you very much dude i go in and i'll just like spin up characters on emily's account so that you know i can keep them in my own it in all fairness i do think that D and D, Wizards of the Coast, have a little bit of a of, of a stranglehold, especially in the digital market, right? Because at the end of the day, we do kind of keep coming back to it because it's just easier to play on. But we also have been trying out new systems. We just tried this awesome Call of Cthulhu RPG where uh, it was more about the skills that you have. That oh, Call of Cthulhu of- is fantastic was delightful i was an artiste and it you know took place up in like drab stephen king maine and you know you had to solve a murder mystery it was hauntingly delightful i grew up playing vampire the masquerade i would love to jump back into that one thirsty sword lesbians literally (laughs) commit a murder to play vampire the masquerade not dude i was gonna say Honestly, not too jazzed about the new edition, but that's that has nothing to do with them trying to make it inclusive and everything to do with me not liking some of the changes they made to the system. I want to be clear. Just, listen, I like old Pathfinder because I like that level of complexity and jank. I like to torture myself. Yes, you I, are a strange person. And I also Zach. like to min-max. No, yes, I will also spend hours to like make and then go over these my sheets to make sure that my spells are balanced the flavor is right i'm also my most yes mid max whatever i'm going to do oh my god i've got a new character that i'm rolling out tomorrow i'm so excited anyways the point is uh there are so many cool uh tabletops out there uh friend of the pod minerva fox actually she did one called lighthearted uh where you're basically playing uh like 80 stereotype high school students there are so many cool systems out there and i love that i guess you know critical role who started on pathfinder right has created this space to make tabletop gaming fun and cool again i hope that people will go out and find these new systems. I do think that the people who are a little bit more adventurous, the people who are a little bit more comfortable and playing longer, it'll be a little bit different. Hey, friends, highly encourage you guys to check out your local gaming stores. I know Dice Dojo uh, here in Chicago sponsors like an adventure league and has a whole bunch of different tabletop game opportunities for different systems. Those things are out there, and listeners, I hope you explore them. The whole point, it's fun, and wizards can't take it from you. Yeah, well, they can try, but uh, they have literally they have literally dug a pit, and they have fallen into it, and I enjoy watching them try to claw their way out, because they seem to think that we nerds are just going to forget about this in five to six months. Oh, uh, the internet never forgets, and See, we have is, long memories. Is, I want to take a moment to get angry and, and remind people of things. Listen, this is why you do not use a subscription service. This is why you don't pay them money to keep the things stored on your website, okay? You don't do that 
because now, as Mari pointed out, there's a bunch of people who have dropped hundreds of dollars, sometimes even thousands of dollars on all of this nonsense. And they have to keep using that website or they don't have their books. Buy physical copies, get PDFs, or you know what? Yar har fiddly dee. Do what you want because a pirate is free. It's really easy to find those books online. But speaking of things that aren't so easy to find online, YouTubers that won DMCA battles against Nintendo. Hey, let's go. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the the game itself. But yeah, even that, that even more so. So the background for this is uh, the YouTube channel, Did You Know Gaming, which is honestly a fantastic channel for gaming research, preservation. Lovely channel, wonderful mentions. Um, But the issue is that Nintendo being Nintendo and not only and in one hand, fostering some of the greatest games that foster some of the greatest communities in gaming, while on the other hand, on that same community and trying to limit the ways just like Wizard has done, the ways that they can engage with their product and, and possibly seek to monetize it, right? So in, in one instance, we have um, this channel, Did You Know Gaming, uh, producing a documentary about an unreleased Zelda game called Heroes of Hyrule, which would have been on the GameCube, uh, would have, uh, I think I think they were discussing, and this is Retro, the creators of Metroid Prime, and I think they were discussing this around 2004, um, or the beginning, beginning of this conversation. So Nintendo, I guess, seeing this as some sort of breach of their IP or some uh, tried to take this video down, which it was down for, for 20 days, um, from, I guess, the first day of December of last year till the 28th, but it's finally back up, and you should go see it and give them a view, give them a like, and they're not sponsoring this podcast, but honestly, uh, screw Nintendo. Uh, just It's it's just more of, a, more of a, a message to Nintendo than anything, and uh, I'm glad that not only was Justice Served to Nintendo, but YouTube for once did its job i think that's the most astounding thing in this entire story amen to that but you know what else is astounding that we are now slowly moving forward in the vr world to the kind of high level in-depth engagement that we get in the fictional context with the ready player one film and this article is from lap to mag headline we tried a vr haptic suit that simulates being shot and stabbed at ces 2023 here's what happened Ah, that's great. I have no desire to wear a tight haptic suit that could give me the simulation of being shot and stabbed because I don't want to know what it's like to be shot and stabbed. The worst I've ever gotten thus far was getting nailed pretty good in an all-out paintball tournament on my senior trip, senior year of high school. And even then, that was too much for me because it was also like 85 degrees out and I was sticky and gross and the paint didn't help. This sounds cool. Y'all can keep it. The VR the future world future is now, old man. Sign me up for SAO. I'll sign up for the death game. Put the headset <laughs> on me that'll kill me if I die in the game. No, no, no. Oh Dude, yes! no. Also, oh old man, you're two Ultimate years younger dystopia. than me. Zachary Edward, you are two years younger than me. You don't get to call me old because you're calling yourself old. So there, stick that in your pot pie and chew on it, man. Okay, my favorite VR game you of all time. You said you're not an old man. Hang on, has, sorry, Kevin. He says he's not an old man. Did you hear what he said? Half the thing, Josh. Half the things you say do kind of sound a little bit grandpa-y, but in like a charming kind of a way. This is, oh, this is. I don't want to say this is for me, but I kind of want to know what they're talking about. Like, it's one of those morbid things, right? Like, Kevin you want to know it, what it's like to get shot. I kind of do like not actually listeners don't find me and bust a cap in my ass or anything, but like, you know, with super hot, the, just the way they're describing how it goes in one end and out the other seems kind of mind. You know what I mean? It's one of those. See, it seems like it's one of those perspective altering things. Unfortunately, you can adjust the intensity on it um i don't want to know how high this has gone up how, how high that thing goes up to but it can also simulate the sensation of like a cool breeze it's not all violent sensations there are subtle ones that you can experience uh but i, I just want to play super hot vr in this thing but i'm not going to shell out the 400 dollars, and i'm not going to buy one used because uh it looks like a sweat magnet Ew, <laughs> that is disgusting that's I, a very I, very I, valid point wait Ugh. did you guys see upload did you guys ever see upload? They had the not. like, oh my god, a 
how dare you? I recommended that show so highly. Um, but yeah, they basically had the a version of those suits for, you know, they called them hug suits with, you know, a heavy eye roll and a wink wink on the hug. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, basically there was like one scene where some dude was like hosing one out and I was just dying. You realize this technology exists and has existed for like a ridiculously long time, you know, Every time you watch those videos of guys having to experience what childbirth is like, that's basically huh, what yeah. these suits are. So, and I don't want um, to do that either. I, but yep, nope. I look forward to childbirth, the game, and I hope you all the VR experience. And I hope you guys get way no, in on it. I would rather go have my back waxed and earwax extracted than that. <laughs> but you can just have the feeling. You can have the feeling of that without any of the pain. It's not. No, I already suffer enough pain by being in the same existence as you every day, my dude. I'm kidding. I love you, but I have to sometimes clap back a little bit because you don't get to have all the fun. Sizzle and a burn. You're welcome. Listen, I'm just saying I'm on board for this. Sign me up. Listen, listen, give me the VR treadmill. Nothing will make me do a squat better and more perfectly than the threat of painful electrocution if I don't. Before we get into reviews, really quickly, the gut-wrenching trailer that dropped for Ant-Man Wasp Quantumania that more or less makes it seem like we are going to lose Scott Lang because he is going to quite literally try to take on Kang the Conqueror. And I applaud the editing on this trailer because I have no idea what to expect. But if we're going to have to watch Paul Rudd's character die too, I'm going to be sad because I like Paul Rudd and I love Scott Lang and I love the dynamic he has with Evangeline Lilly as the Wasp. And I don't think my heart could take it, even if it is to set up what will eventually be the glorious multiversal battle that is the War of the Kangs. Now, I think the most important question was, uh, is Paul Rudd wearing a VR haptic suit when they kill him to really get him in that emotional state? Okay, you really need to get off that, my dude. Uh, Also, the fact um, that we got... It looks like a good trailer. It does. Well, really quickly, uh, Mari, you being a long-term comic book person, what did you think of the way MODOK looks? Uh, Honestly, honestly good for them. Honestly good for them, because MODOK I thought was going to be really hard to bring to life and um you know what they nailed it uh, well done for them make him make him like an ugly kirby man you cowards <laughs> no no make him an Kevin. ugly horrid kirby man you 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 ah my god you you, you, you bitched out on arnim zola and you're bitching out on modok damn it you know what you think you wanted but you don't really you think you wanted so- and all you'll do is bitch and complain about it I think with Arnim Zola, that would have been a tough pill to swallow. No, hang on a second. That's I, I, I feel there's some... Listen, people were like, listen, we want Sonic to look like video game Sonic. And they were like, no, no, you want him to look like human Sonic. Uh, no, we wanted him to look like video game Sonic. And changing it was the best decision Sega ever made. I will say that the fact that we have Corey Stahl coming back uh, to the Ant-Man franchise to play MODOK makes me wonder... Did Yellow Jacket actually die at the end of Ant-Man 1, or has Yellow Jacket somehow just weirdly evolved in the quantum realm into MODOK? But that's just a theory. That's not anything definite. It might just be one of those situations where, um, like with Gemma Chan, they cast an actor in two different roles. She had a small role in Captain Marvel. She had an amazingly big role in The Eternals. Corey Stahl had a nice size antagonistic role in Ant-Man. He's getting a nice secondary role in Quantumania. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. <laughs> 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We have talked everything to death. It is now time to go into review time, review time, party time. Excellent. Oh, Lord, anyway. you guys have been hanging out with uh, Mari. the Grateful Dead too much. Take it away. There's no such thing as that, by the way, Josh. Oh, I'm I'm very happy to talk about uh, my review this week. Okay, so this, uh, a couple of years ago, I reviewed the first season of His Dark Materials. Uh, and I was, I was very happy with this adaptation. Uh, the final season just dropped on HBO. And I was a mess. I was just, I was just an absolute mess. I, I genuinely believe out of all of the recent like book to television or movies adaptations over the last few years, this one blows all the rest of them out of the water uh, for a couple of reasons. Now, I loved this book series as a kid. I thought it was going to be incredibly hard to bring to life, right? Like on one hand, you could very easily dismiss this as a kid's novel. Actually, funny side note, I recommended the book series to my girlfriend's mom and uh, she loved it, but she hated that she had to go to the children's section at the library to pick it up. I think what is so great about these books is how subversive they really are. And I think this show did such an incredible job of bringing to life some of these very, you know, some of these themes that are not common in youth novels. Um, Things like having sort of a toxic relationship with your mother, right? And Ruth Wilson is just amazing in this show. She manages to be... um, you know, both, you know, cruel uh, and ruthless while also having some kind of twisted, you know, vision of what it means to be a mother and how, you know, again, we talked about earlier in the thing about how, you know, that can still hurt people. You have, um, you know, her father, somebody who may have good intentions, but also, You know, the ends don't always justify the means that doesn't make you a good parent. You have these two, you know, you, you know, the characters, Lyra and Will are supposed to be teens, right? The whole point is them sort of coming through puberty, but they very much are the drivers of this. They are, um, I think, good reflections of youth who have been forced into adulthood much sooner than they should have been. I think that is a very real thing that um, a lot of why a fiction doesn't reflect accurately. I think Will and especially Lyra's willingness to confront death at a very young age. uh, These were very complex things as a kid and, and HBO has done such a wonderful job of turning this series uh, into something that I mean, I do think a lot of youth should watch it, but I think it is easily enjoyable by adults. You have these children fighting these systems, you know, the the most entrenched of systems, the authority, um, you know, uncovering truths about about these systems of power that have lied to us and, and how youth are these drivers of change. Oh, I'm giving myself goosebumps. Uh, guys, it was great. It's on HBO Max. It's probably only on there for another 20 minutes. So if you get a chance before <laughs> they rip it off, I highly recommend it. It is a wonderful, a wonderful story. I'm not even doing enough justice calling out everybody who's who's in it and does such an excellent job. The acting in this show is incredible. The CGI for what it is is incredibly well done. Oh, man. So happy with it. So happy with it. I need to go back and actually watch it all the way through. There was just so much media coming out 
at the time when it was dropping that I was so overwhelmed. And also HBO Max had just started up. So I was suddenly able to watch so many different programs that I'd never been able to, like Sopranos. I binged my way through all of the Sopranos because I wanted to finally see what was so great about this show that it was like talked about every time an episode dropped. My review is a watch review, and it's a bit of a throwback because this week is the premiere of the first episode of the kind of reboot slash sequel of the hit TV series Night Court. Now, I say that name and a lot of people of an older generation will remember tuning into the hijinks of Judge Harry Stone and Bailiff Bull and everybody else every week for nine whole seasons. It was one of the it was one of uh, Brent Spiner's breakout roles before he became so beloved for playing Lieutenant Data on Star Trek Next Generation. And from what I've read of the sequel show, uh, Melissa Rausch of uh, Big Bang Theory fame is one of the producers, but she is also one of the leads because somewhere along the way, she, she realized that she wanted to be a part of it as well. She is playing Abby Stone, the daughter of the original character, Judge Harry Stone, and she is stepping into her father's former role as the night court of like the, the judicial area of Manhattan. But what I love about this, having just watched the pilot of the original, is that John Larroquette is coming back as attorney Dan Fielding. But now, instead of being the prosecutor, he's going to be the defense attorney. So he's totally – it's a total different dynamic in terms of what Larroquette is going to bring to the table as far as his legal role goes. But the pilot episode was hilarious. This is pure comedy gold because I tell you, when a guy who is supposed to be a judge, even a judge for a night court in Manhattan, comes to work wearing a T-shirt and jeans and carrying a box of comedy stuff that you would have seen at the Laugh Academy – you know you are in for a good time because one of the first comments he makes right off the bat is he's sitting in the window seat and he sees a couple who are, I guess, kind of in the alley. And he's like, hey, they're still going at it. And I'm like, oh, my Lanta, what is this is the 80s and they were getting away with this. I honestly thought I was going to have some kind of hernia. I was laughing so hard. Mari, were you ever a Night Court fan at all or did you ever watch any episodes of the show when it was on the air or in rerun? <laughs> Uh, definitely in rerun, Josh. Uh, but yeah, Night Court was kind of one of those ones that would be on late night, sort of same, much in the way that I got into MASH, Night Court was one of those ones. So never something that I watched regularly, but would be a random episode I would pick up here and there. Uh, it sounds like I might have to go back to it, though, Josh, and give it another, give it another uh, watch. Well, especially in this really quick thing before I transition over, I didn't know this. Um, Richard Mull who is most famously in geek circles known for his portrayal of Two-Face on Batman the Animated Series, is the actor who played Bailiff Bull on the on Night Court, on and off again for throughout the nine seasons. And I'm interested to see that because I only know him for a voice role, a very well-known voice role. So I look forward to seeing him as an on-camera actor, much as we all know Rob Paulson for voice work. But I've seen him in a few live-action things, and I have to admit, he had it. You know, he had that little spark. So let's see what Richard uh, does playing a bailiff in a night court in Manhattan where every weirdo comes out of the cracks. And speaking of someone, uh, rather rather two guys who are known uh, for being affiliated with the whole Batman franchise, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, the uh, co-authors, co-creators of Batman, The Long Halloween, Dark Victory, and a lot more. Um, the two together are comic book dream team. So imagine my surprise when I'm digging through a dollar bin with five dollar trades at my local uh, comic shop one day and i find that the two of them had uh, done this four issue wolverine gambit miniseries called wolverine gambit victims in 1995 um these guys were really prodigious and i'd never heard of this which uh, i kind of get after reading it because the more i read jeff loeb and i mean this is no over disrespect it kind of seems like Jeff Loeb is really good at like propping up artists. Like he's, he finds the best artists to work with that also elevate his own style. Um, so him and Tim Sale in particular are an absolute dream team, but Tim Sale's work on display in this four issue mini is some of the best work that I have ever seen from him. And 
you know, it's it's a quick read. It's mo- it's mostly single page and double page spreads, but they are so wonderfully conceived and you use kind of circular panels in a very imaginative way. And it just kind of opened up my like 12 grade, my, you know, 12 year old id of why I like the X-Men in the first place. It's just really, really appealing. Um, so if you can if you can track down a copy of Wolverine Gambit Victims, I recommend do it. Uh, it's it's a great four issue series. Very uh, underappreciated, I think, under uh, unknown work by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale as well. That definitely deserves some, deserves some sort of a look. You should check out their breakout work, which was a mini series about the uh, Jack Kirby DC team, the Challengers of the Unknown. It's mm. it's their breakout piece, and it's really good. Like I like their early work more than their like than their later stuff. To be well, honest. with the exception of things like Batman, Superman for all seasons, and their Marvel pieces. <laughs> the less said about Ultimates three, the better. But uh, anyway, Zach, on to you. What do you, what do you got for us this week? Gosh. Um. So, uh, I was a little sad because Mari, have you read the new Sanderson book yet? I knew you were going to ask me about that. I am more than halfway through it. Great. Okay. So when I ask you, when I say this, I hope you'll at least understand what I'm saying. It feels almost like I'm reading Terry Pratchett as written by Brandon Sanderson. Yes, especially in the way that he, well, also, mm, sorry, about 40 things just hit my brain all at the same time when you said that. Yes. Uh, One, Terry Pratchett is also kind of pulpy in the way that Brandon Sanderson is. He just happens to be, you know, the master class at it. Um. The time the era two is set in what I feel like is a very analogous time for Discworld. You know what I mean? Especially with the trains and, and stuff like that. They are very much more modern than a lot of high fantasy. Uh, and then just even some of the like, I don't know, quippiness that he's bringing in and, and satire on society. Yes, I, I see your Terry Pratchettness. Yes, but regardless, uh, I loved it. It was great. It was fun. Uh, getting a book written by Hoyd is interesting, I think. Yes, very excited for that. Very. Um, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily object to more Hoyd in my future. Uh, but listen, Brandon Sanderson's secret novel, Tress of the Emerald Sea, Go read it. It's weird. It's funny. It's wild. It's interesting. The other thing I have today, because I thought I, I might have already reviewed Tress in the Emerald Sea. I might have. I don't remember what I do on this podcast from week to week. I feel like I need to mm. keep a list or have an editor to do this stuff Some for sort of me. producer who uh, keeps Who track could remind of our... me of these things. So this is another light novel. This one's a hell of a mouthful. My daughter left the nest and returned as an S-ranked adventurer. That's right. What more could you want? It's it's actually a really it's a really really nice, very charming story. Uh, it's about a man named Belgrieve, and we pick up with Belgrieve as he is returning home, having utterly failed as an adventurer. He's on like his seventh or eighth dungeon. Mari, to give you an idea, this is like a level two character, and he loses a leg to some kind of shadow monster. Ooh, sounds like the opportunity for a shadow leg in the future. No, but he does have a peg leg. That, by the way, that's one thing that's Acceptable. great about this story. Belgrieve has a peg leg. He learned to live with it, and he worked around it. And certainly, he's not some amazing, crazy powerhouse, but he's someone who does... He lives 90% of a normal life because he learned to work around his disability, and he had people to help him. So that's just like... It Love sounds that. strange, but like it was just wonderful to see that in a light in a light yes. novel. It's like, yep, yes, just a person living a life, Quite right? Wholesome. And of course, he yes. Listen, that's the entire theme of this light novel is wholesome. He's that's in the cool. woods. He's he's been home for a year or two, and everybody makes fun of him not for losing a leg, but for uh, having left the village and then come back. You know, like haha, you were like, I'm gonna make it as a big fancy adventure, and you failed. You shouldn't have left. Normal, normal uh, people Trope. coming back yes. to small town America behavior, yes. right? And he's in the woods patrolling and and looking for uh, patrolling for fiends and looking for dinner, and he essentially finds like Moses. He he finds a small child in a basket in the woods with no explanation, oh. and he goes, 
well, I can't just leave it here. <laughs> and he takes it home and he ends up adopting it. And it becomes and and later out, later on, you find out it's a girl and he names her Angeline and he just spends his life raising Angeline. We fast forward and the story picks up with Angeline. Uh, at, wait, at wait, the wait. I know what age. happens next. Angeline yep. goes in front of Pharaoh and she says, let my people go. And Pharaoh no, says, but oh. she does kill one of Solomon's 72 demon homunculuses. Uh, could you repeat that? Potato, potato. Listen, the entire it's sweet. It's wholesome. It's about a father and a daughter who are a family, even if they're not related by blood and just them having a kind and wonderful relationship with dad spoiling his daughter and her being a total daddy's girl. And there's nice. nothing weird. Listen, I'm like six novels in, and there's nothing weird and creepy about it. She spends one entire book trying to hook Dad up so that he won't be so lonely. Aw, oh, good sweet. girl. Good. That's a good wing woman. Hmm. Yeah, honestly, everyone it's, needs it's one. It's super nice and super sweet. Wow. Normally, Zach's all doom and gloom, and I don't mean that in a bad way. But you do no, read some no, stuff listen, that's pretty heavy. This is kind and wholesome and. But, like, listen, there's some stuff that gets a little dark later on, but, like, a small child and an edgy teenager have a redemption arc, so... Love it. This this is this is wholesome. I'm gonna need to check this out once I finally finish. Um, I'm currently working my way through both Soul Music and the uh, second Omnibus of Gotrek and Felix, so I'm gonna have to check these check this out next in my uh, yeah, hey, quest. Hey, you should to... review that next week. Do, wait, Gotrek and Felix or the thing you just reviewed? Why not both? Dude, Go Trek and Felix, the 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 Kindle editions are ridiculous. The 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 it ugh, Omnibus. The, yeah, I know. But anyway, so before we wrap things up, just a quick plug for everything that we uh do and uh where you can find us. You can go to uh, fandomlim.com where we are part of the Fandom Limb Podcast Network, home to such great shows as a uh, Screen Rancher, uh, Screen Archaeology, uh, Nancy Drew, and other fine programming. Uh, all of our social media aggregates, Instagram, Hive, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, Kevin runs our Twitch channel, but he's not doing anything this week for Twitch. I mean, Kevin, he, he's got to take a break. You know, you can only do so much gaming before your thumbs feel like they're going to suddenly stick in the constant position of uh, double jump and fire. Before it's we true. wrap it up, I found the most fantastic thing in the world, and I put this out on social media, so we would love to get some interactions from people. It is the menu for the Warner Brothers Lot Studio Cafe, February 1941. So if you look at these prices, remember, this is in cents, not in dollars. So like you could get anything like I'm just going back to uh, the entrees. You could get Boston baked beans with pork and brown bread for 45 cents. And for dessert, you could get a marshmallow sundae for 20 cents. My gosh, that is paradise. And remember, this is 1941 Hollywood, so not only are the grips and the crew people coming to eat at the cafe, the stars are coming to eat there, too. So what's good for the grips is good for the A-list talent. There's some interesting things on here that I want to try just because I've never seen these letters in this order before for some of these things, like a broiled Rex sole with alumet, alumet potatoes mm. for 50 cents, which honestly, like, this whole thing is triggering to me because, like, if 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 anyone listening lives in a major metropolitan and you've been to a somewhat nice restaurant, like you're looking at this and any of this could be a modern restaurant in dollars, especially that $95 tenderloin. 95 cents? Boy, come on now. Come How about on a now. roast sirloin of beef with baked potato and Yorkshire pudding for 75 whole suds? And we were kind of talking about this before. There was one that, oh no, the, the deviled egg the is 25 cents. That's that's okay. Listen, I love double. Like I like I'm honestly, you've got to like peel me away from the hors d'oeuvre table when I'm at mm -hmm. like weddings or funerals or whatever. Like I'm just destroying the deviled eggs that Booby brought brought over. Um, but twenty five cents, man. That's not that's not it. That's like modern pricing, man. That's not no that's not it for me. Uh, hors d'oeuvres, imported caviar for ninety five cents, or canapes for seventy five cents, or pate de foie gras for eighty five cents. That is fancy people food, and they're charging. What terrified me is that it was all in cents, because like I looked at this and I was like, crab leg cocktail, forty five dollars. I'd pay that, and then I'm like, like Warner Brothers special, ham, cheese, and ch and chicken on toast, forty five. I was like, 
boy, that better be a good f- sandwich for $45. Man, that sandwich could taste like foot for 45 cents. But you have to also <laughs> think about it. This is Warner Brothers in 1941 at the height of their game. When they were – when it was, you know, like the big studios had all the power and they were the thing. So you have to think that, again, like everybody was eating at the cafe. For all you know, like the like Jack Warner of the Warner Brothers was eating there along with his accountant and his lawyer you know, before their next business meeting, meaning that what was good for Jack Warner was good for everybody else. Again, it's all about contextualization. Supposedly. I mean, supposedly, supposedly. But it, it is also about contextualization. But I got to tell you, I could have I could have really gone for a marshmallow or caramel sundae. That sounds really good, mm. especially for 20 cents, because these days you go to a, even a decent ice cream place. You're paying at least five bucks, and that's including the whipped cream and the cherry on top and maybe like some gummy bears just because you want to get goofy with it. Oh, yeah, this 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 menu stroll is making me starve should we should we hit the road and and uh, listen if you're listening in uh check out our twitter check out our hive check out our instagram check out our facebook we are all over the place and we're, we're going to be posting up this menu so take a look let us know what your order would be if you were on the the warner brothers lot in the early 40s well said kevin well said and remember from all of us here i'm josh i'm moving to vampire the masquerade I'm moving to the Warner Brothers lot in the 40s so that I can pig out. I'll be starting several grudges this week, mostly for people that don't review Gotrek and Felix. Make sure to support your local libraries, comic book stores, and other small-owned businesses. Keep being true to the nerd that is within you, within all of us, and we will see you next time, folks. Same nerd time, same nerd channel. Bye for now, everyone. <laughs>